let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Jehocraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another evening where we will wrap up our reflections on 2 Corinthians. We have been at this again for a number of months now, going through 1 and 2 Corinthians. And this evening we have the opportunity to not only close with a series of thoughts and reflections on the last 10 verses of Second uh, Corinthians, but really kind of look back. I want to take this evening as an opportunity to really engage just not these nine, ten verses, but look back on some of the key themes that we have been talking about. And in many ways, these last ten verses already do that, but I do just want to touch up a few things. So, as always, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join me here on Seeds of Truth, especially those of you who are tuning in by way of podcast in the countries of Mexico and Canada, Portugal, Spain, Italy, Germany, France, as well as those countries in the continent of Africa, I continue to see you as well, and thank you for taking time out of your uh, busy schedules. It really is a great joy for me that you are spending time reflecting with me. And as I noted yesterday, I do want to continue to hear from you on what you want me to do starting next week. Next week will be, again, our new programming. It looks like we are going to go back into the Old Testament. There's something to be said about getting to know our faith by going through a particular book verse by verse. A number of you have said out there how valuable it has been for you to go through the book of Revelation verse by verse and and through these two epistles from St. Paul, verse by verse, there's just so much there. There's so much there that we never knew was there, right? I have studied First and Second Corinthians before, but I had forgotten some of the verses that were there in both epistles and how acutely they apply to our lives today. Speaking personally, how acutely they have spoken very personally to me. I mean, there have been a few times where in preparing to go on air, the verses that I talked about spoke specifically to a situation that I might be going through. So by the grace of God, go go you and I in the providence of God. Huh? God has a way of once again <laughs> knowing how to meet us exactly where we are at and walk with us exactly as He is. That's just who God is, and we love Him for that. We adore Him for that, right? So again, this evening we're going to wrap up, uh, but at the same time as we wrap up, look back, and as we do that, hopefully, uh, by the grace of God, continue to gain insight into who this great person is, St. Paul. What a personality. (laughs) What a personality. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 13 And I will close starting with verse 5, right? So I will read verses 5 to 14. Examine yourselves to see whether you are holding to your faith. Test yourselves. 
Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. I hope you will find out that we have not failed, but we pray God that you may not do wrong. Not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. What we pray for is your improvement. I write this while I am away from you, in order that when I come I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority which the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. Finally, brethren, rejoice. Mend your ways. Heed my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So there you have it, the last 10 verses of just not 2 Corinthians, but his two letters to the church of Corinth. Off the top, what I want to do is take verse 5 and set it next to verse 9. Examine yourselves to see whether you are holding to your faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Verse 9. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. What we pray for is your improvement. Improvement. So here you have some very important words in the spiritual life. Examine, test, and improvement. In particular, examine with test alongside of improvement. In past programs, I have talked about the importance of examining your conscience. This call that each and every one of us have to examine our conscience, okay? Our conscience is this law that has been written on our heart. And at the end of each day, we have this call to kind of look back and see where we have done right with the Lord, but also to see where we have wronged the Lord, to see where we have come up short. And then in taking stock in what you have done, you ask yourself the question, how might I change this pattern of behavior? How might tomorrow be different? And in doing so, what do you do? You test yourself. Remember what we have talked about as it relates to the challenge, the Latin there, provocatio, to call forth, to call out. We have to examine ourselves, to challenge ourselves, that the best version of who we are called to be comes out. And so when we examine ourselves and when we test ourselves at the end of each day, we wake up the next morning invoking the presence of God and being mindful of what we have thought about the night before, that we might, what does St. Paul say here in verse 9? Improve for the sake of your improvement. The Greek there best translates as restoration, that we are in the process of being restored in Christ. Again, this is not something that is, you know, once and done. You know, I've got it all figured out. No, this is not what the spiritual life is all about. What have we said in relationship to Philippians chapter 2, verse 12? That all-important passage where Paul says, we are called to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. We are in the process of, we are under construction in spiritual life. And so as such, 
we are to constantly improve how we go about our days and how we uh, interact with one another. This really underlines everything we have been talking about as it relates to this second epistle to the church of Corinth. His whole letter, his whole pastoral letter is tied to how the faithful might improve their ways in Christ. Everything that is tied to good pastoral activity is tied to what? Becoming a stronger Christian, acquiring those characteristics and attributes of Jesus Christ. This takes time. Sometimes this takes a long time. So we are called to let this moment be the new starting point from which an entire change, an entire reconstruction takes place in who we are in Christ. This truth that I speak to now was very important to one C.S. Lewis. He saw the present moment as quintessential to the spiritual life because it was the moment in which we can come to know Jesus Christ better, right? Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but the present moment. Yes, yesterday was important, given (laughs) what I was just talking about as it relates to the examination of conscience, but certainly all of that projects to the present moment, and then the present moment can help build what tomorrow ought to look like. But all of this comes up short if we don't do what St. Paul asks us to do here, and that is to examine ourselves, to see whether we are holding to the faith, test ourselves, to see whether or not Jesus Christ is living within us. And don't think it is anything but intentional from St. Paul to use the word faith here. Faith was one of those uh, towering themes to St. John Paul II. Typically, in papal history, at least recent papal history, we think of faith and we think of Benedict XVI. But be rest assured, while hope was super important to John Paul II, so was faith. Here, my attention is drawn to one particular address where he set forth a description of faith that really does reflect St. Paul's teaching here in 2 Corinthians, observing that faith consists in more than just the adherence of the intellect to reveal truth, but it also entails what? But a submission of the will and a gift of self to God revealing himself. Is this not what St. Paul is after? That stance that involves one's entire existence. Incidentally, my friends, in that same address, in that same address, John Paul II pointed out that it is the interior life, it is the Holy Spirit that helps us better understand what faith is about. Yes, we are given those moral virtues of faith, hope, and love, and baptism, but if we do not build upon the gift of faith with trust, that concrete act and virtue of faith, how can our faith possibly form and inform our everyday life? Faith is about that listen-response dialogue with God. Remember that the Hebrew vision of faith is, well, what John Paul II just said it was, just not the assent of the intellect, this belief that God exists, but because we believe in a God who is love, we then submit our wills to Him, adhere intellectually and in heart our wills to Him, that we might become the person that God is is calling us to be. 
Now, I say that faith is tied to that listen-response relationship because what does St. Paul talk about in Romans chapter 1, verse 5, and chapter 16, verse 26? St. Paul bookends his epistle to Rome with this phrase, the obedience of faith. That can be best translated as the obedience that springs from faith or the obedience that is faith. You see, Obedience is tied to faith, my friends. Why? Because, well, (laughs) if the Hebrew understanding of faith is about the response, then do we not need to listen? What does the word obedience mean? Obadire, to listen. So if we are going to be a people of faith, we then also need to be a people who listen, right? Listen, that we might better respond to God in faith. This is is what St. Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, that we might with a lively faith respond to God with our whole existence. You see, we have a tendency, I think, today to compartmentalize our faith. You know, my church life is over here, my family life is over there, and what's before me is my work life. But all of these three lives, we have to make sure that they are in different compartments, per se as opposed to (laughs) our faith life giving formation to our whole existence, our time at church, our time with our families, our time at work, our time at play, all of it has to be formed by our faith. This really, as I was saying off the top, we're going to go back into 1 and 2 Corinthians and touch upon key themes. Is this not really the key theme? I would say absolutely. Once your whole existence is caught up in God, well, then you will be properly disposed to discern properly, okay? (laughs) Disposition and discernment are intertwined in the light of our faith, and this, I believe, is just not an important aspect of our faith, but a beautiful one as well. How about this verse, to agree with one another? I was actually asked to speak to this verse. If you were to go to, let's see here, verse 11. Let's go ahead and read verse 11 again. Finally, brothers, rejoice, mend your ways, encourage one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. So what are we to make of this agree with one another? Well, in the Greek, that translates maybe more accurately think the same. Okay, this does not mean, let me emphasize this, this does not mean to have the exact same thoughts or opinions about everything. No, that is the last thing it means. What it does mean is that that they heed the Spirit's bestowal of the mind of Christ. We are called to agree with one another in the light of the gift of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us as we now have one mind in Christ. So for St. Paul, he is encouraging the Corinthians to heed the Spirit's bestowal of the mind of Christ, as well as to inspire them to live no longer for themselves and to be reconciled with one another. This is what it means to agree with one another, right? What we have in common is the revelation of truth. And that truth in Jesus Christ is now incarnate. And he wishes to draw us deeper into that truth, that revealed truth. 
both in the natural world and in him, right? Of course, in sacred scripture. So this has nothing to do with that phrase, well, let us agree to disagree. One of my least favorite phrases. While it's important to find common ground, to agree to disagree, especially when it concerns a very important moral issue, is not Christian. One of the things that I think we've lost today, Bishop Barron was talking about this recently, was the art of debate, uh, the art of arguing. Now, understand what I mean when I say that. I'm not talking about this need to argue for argument's sake. No. No, to debate and argue for the sake of truth, that we have a principle called truth, that which is rooted in what is objective. I talked about this yesterday, right? (laughs) What is external, revealed, and seen. We have a principle, and we call it truth. We're so busy about agreeing to disagree that we've lost that real sense of what it means to debate and argue for truth's sake, that we can actually come together and have a debate about something, and at the end of the debate, come to discover something new. So yeah, it's just not about having your opinion heard. Yeah, that's important. But let your opinions be rooted in sound reasoning. Let your thinking be rooted in sound reasoning, okay? What about some of these other verses from St. Paul? Um, Greet one another with a holy kiss. What's going on there? Well, a holy kiss was a gesture of affection and Christian brotherhood that you would often see in uh, the Near East, especially as it relates to what was a common expression of hospitality in the Near East. If you were to go into the commentaries on this, they really engage this point. So we might see this as an equivalent to a friendly handshake. So maybe during Mass, when we hear uh, the kiss of peace, we shake hands. This is uh, uh, the equivalent to what St. Paul is talking about here. How about verse 14? This is a very important verse, not only because it's the last verse of this chapter and of this whole epistle, but because of what it says. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Here you have one of the earliest and clearest expressions of faith in the Trinity found in the New Testament. Paul's solemn benediction here really has become a very important part of the life of the church as it has become the prayer greeting following the opening sign of the cross, right? I want to turn to the Catechism, paragraph 1109, lest we not appreciate the profound content of what is going on here in this closing verse. Catechism, paragraph 1109. The epiclesis is also a prayer for the full effect of the assembly's communion with the mystery of Christ. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit have to remain with us always and bear fruit beyond the Eucharistic celebration. The church, therefore, asks the Father to send the Holy Spirit to make the lives of the faithful a living sacrifice to God by their spiritual transformation into the image of Christ, by concern for the church's unity, and by taking part in her mission through the witness and service of charity. So what you have here in this benediction that you hear at the beginning of the Mass, is one that helps us enter 
not only into Mass, but how the Mass itself is in communion with the Trinity. To hear those words, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, is to really help us in both mind and heart enter into the mystery of the Mass as it's united to the Trinity. Remember, the Mass comes from the word missio, which means what? To be sent forth. What did the Catechism just say there? This Trinitarian formula has to remain with us always and bear fruit beyond the Eucharistic celebration. So after we receive our Lord in the Eucharist, we then go therefore and what? Bear fruit. So in this closing verse, we have this all-important benediction. Now, all of that being said, I did want to touch upon one last thing, and it is this. Chapter 13, verse 4. St. Paul says, For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we are weak in him, but in dealing with you we shall live with him by the power of God. That, my friends, is the nutshell of St. Paul's pastoral theology. There it is. I didn't say this last week or yesterday because I wanted to say it to close this evening. That that verse, verse 4, for he was crucified in weakness but lives by the power of God, for we are weak in him, but in dealing with you we shall live with him by the power of God, is the key that unlocks St. Paul's pastoral theology. The cross of Christ stands before all of Paul's references to weakness. And he wants us to see that just as the humiliating death of Jesus gave way to his powerful resurrection, so do Paul and the other apostles willingly embrace suffering and same so that the risen life of Jesus can flow out to others. The point is that God's power operates through human weakness, not in spite of it. And so he says to you and I this evening, if we wish to bear the power of Christ within us, we have to embrace our cross, whatever that might be. And please, please, in hearing this, don't compare your situation to others because the whole verse then collapses. Right? The moment I say, well, why does he not have to experience this or why does she not have to experience that? That takes away from your very personal relationship with Jesus Christ. While we are called to pray for your brother and or your sister in Christ, for sure, we should never be in the business of comparing our situations to other situations because it paralyzes us spiritually. It absolutely paralyzes us spiritually. Each and every one of us has certain gifts. And God wishes to equip us with additional gifts and virtues that might strengthen us in our walk with Him. The situation that you might think might be all hunky-dory and all good might be, behind closed doors, also a very tragic situation. This is important to be attentive to because it also calls us to pray for those situations. In point of fact, let me say this to you. I'm being led, I think, by the Spirit of God to ask something from you. The next time that you go to compare your situation with another situation, 
pray for that other situation. Could you do that? Not for me, but for your own journey of faith. I'm going to start doing this. And be rest assured, my friends, mea culpa, I am at fault in this. I am not pointing the finger at any one person in as much as highlighting a spiritual truth that I too, of course, need to abide by. Next time I say to myself, man, he or she has it easy. Look what I have to go through while I pray for he or she. I sit here and say that, and I think we're going to discover a freedom in that because really it is Satan who is encouraging us to think this way. How better to overcome one of Satan's tactics by praying for the very people that we think have it so good? And in the end, maybe they do. Maybe they are not suffering like you are suffering. But what business is it of yours outside of praying for them? What I'm talking about here in the end is taking ownership of who you are before God. This is what St. Paul was after. Take ownership of who you are. Take ownership of who God has called you to be, of who God has created you to be. And then everything else will begin to fall in place. It's like a set of gears. For some reason, I have this image in my head. If you are doing what you need to do, you are like that gear that sets all the other gears in motion. And there might be a thousand gears. You stop that first gear and those thousand gears will stop, right? Be that first gear. And in doing what you need to do, set all of those other gears in motion. And all of those other gears in motion, my friends, in this context is you building up the kingdom of God. All that we say and all that we do touches someone. And how you touch someone then impacts someone else. Did St. Paul understand this? You betcha. Look at his own experience. (laughs) Look at his own experience. This really is the experience of the church, the church that started with 12. And now we can rightfully call universal. Amen. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.